Ryan Harris joins us this morning. Ryan, it has been far too long. My friend, how you doing? Doing great, Jim. Always great to join the best morning show west of the Mississippi, my friend. I'm so glad you're getting those checks. I'm so glad you keep getting those. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate the plug, my friend. Uh, so uh, Westwood One, you've been working for them. Notre Dame, you, you continue to cover the Fighting Irish. Uh, what else is going on in the world of Ryan Harris these days? Uh, just a little bit of corporate speaking and then, uh, you know, playing a little Santa Claus. So, uh, you know, being... Uh, being a dad and with the Notre Dame season ending and um, just the Westwood One NFL stuff, got a little bit more time, so got some skiing in, got some golfing in, and only in Colorado can you ski and golf in the same week. Uh, that's why we're, we're, we're blessed to live here. You know, we can do both in the same day on, on, on more occasions than people think. You can, you can actually do that. I, I, didn't, yeah. I, I was looking at your bio. I didn't realize you're fluent in Spanish. Are you, I think that's pretty cool that uh, you're bilingual. Yeah, man, and you know what's fun is the year we won Super Bowl 50, um, two other of my line mates, Lou Vasquez and Max Garcia, spoke Spanish. So in plays, we would speak Spanish because the defense, if you if you say what you're going to do, especially the playoffs and guys who played you in your division a couple times, you speak English, they know exactly what you're saying. Uh, not a lot of defenders know Spanish, Jim, so we actually used it on the field and uh it's something i tell my kids you know spanish is a skill learning spanish is a skill learning any language is a skill um but one i've enjoyed and one i've uh, that's helped me win in the nfl yeah see so kids if you're listening today it pays to learn another language it it, it pays off to do that and and my Absolutely. wife's been doing, she's been doing duolingo for like th- two or three years now and she uh, where i'm terrible at that she is very dedicated and can actually speak and understand Quite a bit. I'm I'm blown away by anybody that can can speak two languages because one is is a challenge for me. So, yeah. I, 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 the man I, with the radio show. Change <laughs> your mindset, there, Peter Pan. You can I, fly. I okay. Thank you. That's the kind of positivity <laughs> I need from you, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, let's talk about where the Broncos are right now. Certainly, it's it's far better than than what what it was last year. Certainly, far better than the first six games of the season when the Broncos were were one and five, but uh, took a little bit of a playoff hit last weekend with that loss to a, to a team that you used to play for in the Houston Texans. Yeah, it was a tough loss. And look, I mean, uh, everything was going the right way until you know, you get a fumble by your defense and then you get a turnover the very next play. So it's a, it was tough. And then, of course, the final interception, the interception to Cortland Sutton, the second one, I mean, that was just, that's a great play uh, by that kid. I believe it was number 25 for the Texans. But, I mean, look, the Broncos are doing the, are playing their best football. And do you lose sometimes playing your best football? Yes. Uh, huge test coming up this week now. I mean, you, you had a big test last week, didn't pass it on the road, and then you got another test now against the Chargers team whose defense is literally playing shutout football, and uh, Khalil Mack is back on uh, whatever whatever spaghetti and, and meatballs he was eating before because he's got 15 sacks and heading out for four straight games with two sacks each. And during the five-game winning streak, the Broncos' run game was very good. Uh, pass protection was much better for Russ, and part of that, I think, has been the, the consistency of the starting five on the offensive front. They've they've had the, the five starting guys and that's been it. Guys have stayed healthy. That's been been important. But just your when you've watched the Broncos, Ryan, just kind of your thoughts being a former NFL lineman of what you're seeing from this unit right now. It's not good enough. No way to I mean, no way to dance around it. Look, as as healthy as they've been, as much as the run game has been there, uh, in key moments, the protection is broken down and the blocking is broken down. I mean, even Javante Williams having to convert on a fourth and one had to fight through two defenders behind, behind the line of scrimmage. That can't happen. It, it, you know, so 
Uh, I credit the coaches for calling the run games and the different types of runs, pitch runs, gut runs, you know, quick counts, things like that, the hut one, hut two, hut three, those plays. Um, but by any measure, this offensive line, as, as good and as healthy as they've been, need to play far better. I mean, going into the game, Russell Wilson was under pressure 41% of the time. And then in that game, he got sacked three times and hit eight times, and much of that early in the game. So uh, as the team continues to build, the offensive line has to play better, and I, I believe they tell you that as well. Who's been the biggest disappointment on that offensive line? Is it a guy like Mike McGlinchey because of the money they're paying him? I mean, is that where where would you start as far as a guy that is has underperformed and then maybe a guy that has exceeded your expectations? Well, I think they've all underperformed. You know, uh, Garrett Bowles has to be better. Ben Powers has to be better. Lloyd Cushenberry, as much of an improvement as he's made, I mean, he got a, he, he got a snap infraction on a kneel down play. Jim, that's never happened before. How do you get a false start? on six right type victory. You literally have to do nothing. So these are the kinds of things I'm talking about. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's always tough for a lineman to say who's the most disappointing because, look, I mean, it's not just the offensive line. You can't have two catches and to call yourself an elite wide receiver in the NFL, right? Elite wide receivers have eight to nine catches for 112 to 70 yards. That's what happens. You don't got any of those weapons yet as much as Cortland Sutton has been doing well. So, at the end of the day, everyone has to play better, and no one is exempt from that. Last week, the Broncos were 0 for 11 on third down, and I just you know that 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 you know added to the problems they had last week against the Texans. That that front did a nice job. Will Anderson, in particular, uh, the, the young man for the the Houston Texans, uh, really got after Russell Wilson. But like you said, the offensive line, yep, they've underperformed. But then you look at the last, what, I think six or seven games, Russ has been under 200 yards passing, where, yeah, Russ, until last week, he's done a nice job. Touchdown interception ratio has been really good. He's been good in the red zone. But they're going to have to count on him to do more. They have to, they, he has to be able to do more in the passing game. And some of this also falls uh, onto, the, onto the shoulders of Russell Wilson and, and not being more proficient, being more explosive in the passing game. I I would I mean I agree with that I understand where that comes from but you got to remember he's the only quarterback in the NFL without a tight end hello right I mean True. like that's one position who's his third receiver right so I mean like conversely when you look at you know uh, if you if you watch the Bengals game you got T Higgins you got Jamar Chase you just don't have those guys right you got the the young kid out of I believe it's Kraft right out of or McBride excuse me out of uh, um, CSU at tight end. You don't have a tight end. Greg Dulcich has been injured his entire career. Let's just face it and say what it is. Greg Dulcich, as good and as promising as he's been, has not stayed healthy. All right? You need two tight ends that can play football. You got none. And even the, the last interception to the Texans, um, that tight end had just gotten activated that week. Right? So I get it that people want more from Russell Wilson, who, oh, by the way, has, uh, had just gotten, I believe it was his 39th come-from-behind victory in that five-game win streak. So what the Broncos are doing, they're playing conservative football, they're running the ball, and, and you know what? They're waiting for other teams to make a mistake, and they're leaning on their defense, which has produced multiple turnovers for six straight games now. So it's a, it's a good recipe. I think Russ is there. And we also have to understand that Russ's weapons look very, very different than anyone else in the NFL. Do you have a tight end like Travis Kelsey? Do you have a wide receiver like Rasheed Rice for the Chiefs? Do you have a tight? Do you have a wide receiver like Keenan Allen? The answer is no, 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 no. Do you have a Devontae Adams? No, right. So yes, you want more from your quarterback, and 
I mean, everybody's going to make something this holidays, and the ingredients matter, and the ingredients are not top class like the other other NFL uh, wide receivers and skill positions. And, and so your feelings with Cortland Sutton, that I, and I think Cortland Sutton's had a, an outstanding season, but Cortland Sutton's maybe not, he's not WR1. He's not a number one guy. He, and probably in some teams, you know, depending on you know the weapons like you referenced on some of those teams, would probably be your, your, your second wide receiver, not your number one guy. Well, your second and your third. I mean, yeah. you know, Nico Collins for the Texans, he was the second wide receiver, sometimes the third. He had a heck of a game against the Broncos. Where's that game been from Jerry Judy? Look, Cortland Sutton has made some amazing plays, including another touchdown. I mean, that last touch, when he's falling down into the ground, catching that ball, that few receivers can make that play. And where's Jerry Judy? Where's a single game for Jerry Judy with seven receptions over 100 yards and two touchdowns? And it's not because the other teams are taking him out of the game plan. They don't have to, Jim, and that's a problem, right? So uh, Corland Sutton, and, and he's got the stats. He's going to have the most touchdowns in his career. That's great. But, I mean, I, I talked with a Hall of Famer, a Broncos Hall of Famer, and he asked me, he said, you know, I don't care about how many touchdowns you got. How many yards do you have? If you have 12 touchdowns on 700 yards, that doesn't matter to me, <laughs> right? So that's a different, again, type of caliber. Corland Sutton's having the best season of his career, and even at his best, you still need two other rece- receiving targets that threaten the defense, and the Broncos just don't have it. Broncos Super Bowl winning offensive lineman Ryan Harris also works for Westwood and uh, the Notre Dame Radio Network with us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Broncos, I referenced, got out for that 1-5 and five start. A lot of people questioning Sean Payton, uh, particularly after that Miami game. They uh, When they gave up 70 points in that game, they've gotten things turned around. Broncos defense during that, that five-game winning streak, I believe they forced something like 16 turnovers during that stretch. Talk to me about Sean Payton and what you like about the, the job or the things maybe you have not liked, Ryan, about the job that Sean Payton has done so far. I think Sean Payton's done a remarkable job. I mean, he, he's had to retool a team, force their you know force them to believe in, in what they're capable of to get out of that uh, that early record. I mean, to the, the comeback that they've had to this point, to still even be in the playoff conversation, that's incredibly remarkable. And not only that, doing so with injuries, doing so with the suspension on and off play of, of Kareem Jackson, with P.J. Locke learning the safety position on the fly and, and going through those pains. So um, I just love what Sean Payton's done. I think it's been commendable. I think he really should win the coach of the year. And they still got a shot to go to the playoffs. And look, they're going to have to prove it, which you always have to do in the NFL. But what a schedule down the stretch to say, hey, we, we are back and we belong and that's all because of what Sean Payton has done in that building. Going into next season, flat, you know, forward, you know, fast forward ahead a little bit. What are a couple things you see the Broncos doing differently in year two for Sean Payton? They need to get two receivers. They need to get two speedy receivers. And look, Sean Payton knows this, right? I mean, he came from a place with Michael Thomas. He came from a place with with uh, you know the the running back uh, Kamara. So he knows what it looks like to have a dynamic player. Something tells me they'll go after kind of a Taysom Hill type of guy who can come in and be kind of that special package player. Um, but make no mistake, Sean Payton's just getting started in building the team that he wants. And that, and with the lack of draft picks you had, now coming into this year, you're really going to start to get some tools. You have the money and ownership to go get some top, top-tier top free agents. Um, and the real question, the biggest question is going to be, whether or not Russell Wilson is still on the roster in March or if that's a restructured deal because of the fact that 
if he's on, I believe it's five days after the league year starts, the following year's salary gets guaranteed. So that's going to be the biggest discussion. And, and Sean Payton has a history of finding the players he needs for his offense, and they need a couple guys, and they, they need two receivers, they need a tight end, and they need at least two pass rushers to add uh, to the defensive line. Ryan Harris, Broncos Super Bowl champion, joining us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. I referenced, of course, you also work for uh, the Notre Dame Network. Uh, they'll be playing Oregon State in the in the Sun Bowl coming up, and uh, some guys opting out uh, of that game uh, for for a lot of schools, not just not just Notre Dame specifically. Give me your your thoughts, Ryan, about uh, players who who'd make the decision to opt out of playing in a bowl game. It's fantastic. It's literally cost-benefit analysis, right? I mean, we want kids to get a great education, but we're mad when they start realizing a cost-benefit analysis. Look, the cost of anybody doing something right now, if it, it, it could cost you more money in the future, what are you doing, right? That's, that's literally the definition of a mistake, something that will cost you money in the future. It also says something to the power that players now have. And, I mean, I personally love it, the, the tremendous amount of risk that players go through in playing in a bowl game. It's also different with the teams that are in the college football playoffs, right? Like, you're not getting a bunch of sit-outs in the top four teams. Nobody in Michigan says they're not playing in the college football playoffs. So, especially in the case of, like, Notre Dame, I mean, if you're a senior and you're looking at anywhere from a third to a fifth-round pick, are you going to, you know, El Paso, Texas to, to prove your worth? No. You're going, to, you're going to Orlando. You're going to Miami. You're going to start training. You're, it's time to be a pro. You've waited your whole life for this especially with COVID, some of these guys have waited six years, Jim, to get out of college. So there's a lot that goes into it, and I love that players are learning opportunity costs and cost-benefit analysis. So something we all need to understand and make decisions on with, with in our life. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when Christian McCaffrey uh, with Stanford, it might have been the Sun Bowl for, for Stanford that he opted not to play, and, and there was criticism of him for, you know, for sitting it out. And I think you and I, Buckeye, both talked about that and said, Getting himself ready for the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, you know he's. Why would he go play in a game where he could get hurt, damage his stock, you know, get a knee injury, something fluky happen? Why would you do that? And well, I, I just it makes no for, sense. Yeah, people forget the league minimum is nine hundred thousand dollars now, right? So if you're looking at, I can play in a game for free that risks nine hundred thousand dollars, or yep. I can just not and yep. then make nine hundred thousand dollars. That's not really a decision to make. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? That is, and that's at the bottom of it. Yeah, that's a smart business decision to go, hey, you know what, I, I think I'll take the $900,000. Thank you very much. Bowl game, yeah. that's great. But I'm I'm going to go take the money in this case. We're done with Ryan Harris today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Ryan, your, your reaction to the Final Four for the college football playoffs, a lot of controversy uh, about some of the teams that, uh, that did not get in. Georgia, Florida State, obviously, going undefeated, winning the ACC championship. Uh, the Jordan Travis injury certainly played a, a role in their decision, the committee's decision on that. Just your your take on that. Congratulations, Texas. That's the take. I mean, look, I can't stop with the Florida State. No one's putting a third-string fresh, true freshman quarterback in the college football playoffs. Not going to happen. I don't care what, Norvell, or what, what that coach says. Now, when you talk about Georgia, I can't believe they left Georgia out. Yeah. Georgia, I mean, to be the man, you have to beat the man. So saith Ric Flair. Woo! And they just they lost a game in the SEC championship game. And, and literally, with a 40-point victory in, in the national championship last year, they don't get a shot. So congratulations to Texas. Uh, I think Washington wins it all. Washington or Alabama. 
and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and a reminder to all the fans, the NCAA makes a billion dollars per playoff game. That's three separate playoff games, two for the semifinals, one for the national championship. That's $3 billion that players get no part of. Yeah, and and for people that cry about NIL and all those kind of things, this is something we've talked about in this program for a long time. College athletes, you're getting taken advantage of in terms of their their name, their likeness in the past now can reap the rewards of that. And, and certainly we've seen that uh, on clear display with Coach Prime and Shadur and, and Shiloh and, and, and the Sanders family with what's going on in Colorado. Uh, I had the chance to watch the first uh, se- second season, I should say, the first episode of, of Coach Prime last night on Amazon. I guess, just Ryan, you, you live here in the state, live in the front range. You follow the buffs uh, from afar. Just your takeaway on what, uh, what you've seen with, with Coach Prime and what's been going on at Colorado. Well, it starts with a 300% increase in your win total, yes. right? If anybody listening goes to work and is responsible for a 300% increase in production in a year, you probably got your job again, right? And let's not forget, this is the same Coach Prime who people couldn't wrap their minds around paying $5 million per year. How's that looking now? Literally, CU made over $90 million in television revenue to begin the season because of Coach Prime. $90 million in a year. So what you saw is a fantastic turnaround that absolutely got distracted by the fun and the, and the outside noise. That's on Coach Prime. He knows that, whether he admits it or not. And he's also taking active steps to change it. I think Phil Loho getting him in to be an offensive line coach is huge. I mean, anybody but Pat Shermer to call plays, literally anybody, and you're going to be great. But I'll tell you, Jim, a lot of people forget about how important it is to have an offensive line coach who actually played the game, not somebody who coached in Division Two like CU had. That was the difference this year. And to Coach Prime's credit, he's literally getting a pro who has played the position to come and coach guys up and to get them the technique they need to be successful. Yeah, Phil was a tremendous prep player at Fountain Fort Carson before going to Oklahoma and then, of course, starting for the Minnesota Vikings. And, yeah, just a really good player. And, hey, take it easy on Bill O'Boyle. He coached here at Colorado Mesa once upon a time. So, you know, just take a little bit easy on on a guy that did, that did coach <laughs> hey, here locally. You go ahead. You tell the people. You you uh, you defend him with his offensive line. No, I'm not going year. to. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Talk to and, and that's my and that's the point. Yeah, it's I, a big difference between Colorado Mesa and CU, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not like I haven't talked to Bill O'Boyle in years. I'm not going to defend him on that. It was a it was a bad year for the Buffs offensive line, no doubt about it. Uh, anything else going on for you? New book in the works? It sounds like you've been busy with holiday shopping and speaking engagements and calling football. Anything uh, else on the horizon for you? I, I do have a podcast with Super Bowl champion Benny Fowler. Uh, it's called Gridiron and Growth. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. It's on YouTube. And uh, I think it's about time we get the Jim Davis on, too. So we'll have to get you on my podcast, man, where we meet uh, all the legends and, and get their insight on big change moments and how to move forward, how to find yourself as a leader and as somebody who wants to achieve. And just occasional random slappies like me because you need to fill a slot <laughs> in your podcast. So. Yes. Random people who have had their job for over a decade. Yes, absolutely. Just random nobodies. Absolutely, Jim. <laughs> and so I fit into that category before you you go through the list of all the A-list guys, you get down to like the D-list guys, and I'd, it'd be an honor to be on your podcast, Ryan. Well, Tim, we can't wait to have you, and it's Gridiron and Growth. Take a listen, and let me know how I do, Jim. I, you, you have an ear for these things. Well, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it. I will make it happen today. Hey, Ryan, always a pleasure. I appreciate it.